You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. We are being joined by Mo Aiken. She is a New York Times bestselling author. You know, we've had her on the program a couple of times before. You may remember Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations that the Church Forgot. And now she is back with a new work that is called Fully Known, The Invitation to True Intimacy with God. You heard her on the program last week. She's rejoining this morning. Good morning to you, Mo. Thanks for uh, rejoining. Good morning. Thanks for having me back on. Well, it's really an important conversation to have because ultimately we were made for relationship. This is our whole purpose is to be in relationship with Elohim, our creator. Uh, We have plan, we have purpose, there is design to our life, and that is first to be in relationship with him and then in relationship with others. And it is an area that I will say 100% lacks in every single person's life. Um, You know, we cannot achieve... And there, I don't. I don't think we can ever ch- achieve full, deep intimacy until perfection, and that is when we enter into His presence. And I look to that day of what that will be like. But there's an onus on us that we are to be an active participant in our relationship with God because He's calling us to that. But often we feel disconnected, or there's something in the way. Tell me about just the overarching design that God has for us as our creator and us being made in his image. Mm. Yeah, I remember when I was sort of fleshing out um, fully, you know, started, it had to begin really with like the origin. God really gave me pause to explore where did you truly begin? What was my original design? And, you know, that doesn't start at, well, I was born, da-da-da-da-da, or, or, well, I'm just a sinner. It doesn't start there. Where it begins is in the garden. God's original design and intent for himself and mankind, which was the epitome of his creation, male and female alike, formed to, to complement, to reflect him, to, his spirit to the world, like in the natural. It began in the garden, in this place of intimate oneness with God. And yet what happened there, right? The enemy entered in and deceived and we chose to choose for ourselves, really. Um, we chose to be like God, to be our own God, and we know the story from there. Everything brought separation and chaos and deception and sin, and it pulled us out of that perfect place of intimacy. But if you look even, we talked about this last week, at the gospel prophesied as far back as Genesis, you see that the man is to leave his father's house to go and retrieve his bride and the two become one flesh and together they are naked and unashamed. And I'm like, wow, Lord, this is the gospel because Jesus left 
left the heavenlies with you to come live a perfect life to make a way for the bride of Christ, which is the church, by his grace, by his blood, to be unified again with you. And together, as we know intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with Jesus, we get it in the marriage model, right? The relational model, we too become one again. And I think what's so interesting is that in Genesis, it talks about you know, when Eve realized, uh, when Adam realized they hid themselves, right, behind the fig leaves. But in the in the, the passage, it says, and the two become one, and together they are naked and unashamed. And I'm like, wow, work of the gospel. Well, you Redeemed know, well, intimacy. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, that that redeeming of that intimacy and that reconnection is spurred on where you you jump off to to really set the stage for this is one day we are going to come face to face with Jesus and there is going to be a circumstance that we are going to face which may not be what we are after. And we find that in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Tell us how you were wrestling with that and the agitation that each one of us, we do feel in our spirit when God is calling to us. But this is a a scripture that holds a lot of promise, but there's also warning in this particular passage of scripture. So why Matthew 7, 21 and 23 to 23, why is this so important in the context of that restored relationship with God? Well, I think it shows the ultimate uh, heart of the gospel, right? Because in Matthew 7, the people are making argument for the things that they did. Well, did we not cast demons? Did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And all of these things are good. All of these things are fruit. Uh, All of these things make evident the Holy Spirit at work in us, right? But ultimately what Jesus said to them was, but I never knew you. I never knew you. And so what what catches me in this scripture is that the whole of the gospel stands on this knowing, this redeemed intimacy, this oneness. And one day when we do stand before the Father, the Word of God speaks that we would not stand in fear, but we would have been made perfect by love. And I know a lot of the times when I was claiming to be a Christian, but kind of living as I pleased or allowing the things of the world or sin or shame to grip me, there's that wrestled thought with like, what is what <laughs> what is going to happen when I die? Yeah. Like, uh, there is a fear, right? Because um, I think there's an awareness that there's separation. Um, yet when we know intimacy, this perfect love delivers us of these things. It causes us to turn from our sin. It grants us mercy in so many ways where the revelation of how much he loves us, even as we've been entangled in this sin and caught up in the things of the world, that his mercy persevered for us. It's like, wow, this kind of love, I want to stay right by you. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. And I think that's why in the New Testament, we see Jesus too say, if you love me, obey my commands. He is never going to force us. He's never going to 
bend our will uh, and force himself upon us. But the revelation of his mercy and his grace creates this love that makes us want to abide, (laughs) makes us want to stay, right? I think often of the scriptures of draw near to me and I will draw near to you. When my when my husband delights in me, when I draw near to him, there's something that shifts in my heart. I can find all the reasons in my mind why he shouldn't love me, why he should be fed up with me, why I'm not worthy. But when when I draw near to him and he just delights in that connection, I'm like, oh, my heart has changed. You're so kind. You're so good. And that's really what our intimate relationship with the Lord should reflect. Well, you talk about this point in which you did not feel that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord, and you describe it like this. You say, I remember sitting in the dark of my daughter's room one night at the culmination of my going and my fatigue and my frustration just overwhelmed me. And Mm -hmm. you, you say you whimpered, God, where are you? Have you somehow departed from me? Have I missed you? And I think we all come to a place, and many of us have been in this place. Many of us are headed toward this place right now. And it may be hours away. It could be weeks or months away. But we are all going to come to a place where we have to face that we simply can't do life alone and apart from God's design, which is to be in relationship with Him. So share with us a little bit about where that was for you, that that you were operating under your own power, and then ultimately the reward is this. It's abject overwhelm, separation, defeat, sitting in our child's room wondering what are we going to do next? Right. Yeah, I I think the important thing to glean from this is that we were actually never intended to live this life in our own strength and our own power and our own might. I mean, look back to the garden. It, It wasn't God's original design for his creation. He wanted oneness. He wanted to walk alongside of us, teach us, lead us. That's how things are always intended to operate. And so when we do try to go, do, prove, serve, um, we may have the best of intentions. But if it's devoid of this intimate connection with His Spirit, then we lose what sets us apart as the body of Christ. Right? The world should look at us and be in awe of the wonder-working power of God in and through our lives. It's what should make us like salt. You know, it's what should make us a light that draws people to the gospel truth and to the heart of God. Because our secret sauce is this intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, is with the gift given to us that multiplies in gifts, right? Um, And so when we try to do things alone, not only will we find ourselves in burnout, even with the best of intentions, don't get me wrong, but we're also missing the wonder and the beauty of what is intended to be. And I think shame or frustration causes us to resist when really the invitation is, hey, there's more for you. And that more, that invitation to really wrestle with that 
is agitating. I think I write about in my book, it feels like spiritual puberty when, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit starts to open your eyes to these things because it causes us this agitation of, wait, is there more? Am I missing something? What was I taught? What does the word say? How do I read this with fresh eyes? How do I become like a child again uh, and have this childlike wonder? What What is missing here? And that agitation, just like puberty, it doesn't feel great. It's awkward. It's tense. There's a lot of emotion. But if we will press in with the humility to say, of course, there's always more. Of course, there's always more. When I'm 100 years old, I want to be saying there's more of God to be known, right? If we will not run from that agitation, but we will actually press into it, I think there's a lot of of spiritual gold to be found. No matter where someone is, no matter how long they've been a believer, there is more of God to be discovered, but we have to be willing to get uncomfortable in that process. Yeah. And admit we need help and admit we don't understand it all and admit there are layers of his heart that he is seeking to show us and we haven't even explored before. And so we got to push through puberty if we want spiritual mature, maturity, <laughs> Well, you, if we want to grow into the men and women of God that we were truly made to be in God's original design, we have to learn to wrestle well through the agitation. I like that, to learn to wrestle well. The the whole entirety of Fully Known, an invitation to true intimacy with God, you outline how we actually achieve that. But one of the things that we do is that we often seek what I would say is the equivalent of the law. What are the things that I need to do in order to have this great relationship with the Lord? And we become, we step into this rote philosophy that, okay, I need to be in church every week. And we go and we stand in the presence, but we're not connected. So we go and then we're like, well, I'm going to church every week. And we're doing these certain things that we think are, um, they're more law and they're more um, about religion than it is about the relationship. Mo, sometimes we look in the wrong place and we turn to religion versus relationship um, for the development of our walk in our spiritual relationship with the Lord. What are some of the watchouts when you're feeling that agitation? There's great opportunity for us to turn down the wrong lane and get into a place where it really just becomes leads to a dead end. Right. Yeah, you know, I I think I wrote about this in Fully Known, but it was interesting to me as the Lord was moving me through this, and I was processing that so many times the anthem of believers, and it was my anthem often, is, you know, it's all about relationship, not religion. Come know the gospel, know Jesus. It's all about relationship, not religion. And yet, when I actually took sort of a survey of my life, uh, I didn't see a ton of healthy relationships. <laughs> like, I wonder if maybe my relationship with the Holy Spirit is just as dysfunctional as some of these other relationships in my life that have kind of formed my understanding of how we are to interact. Yeah. And so if it is relationship and not religion, what does relationship really look like? And one of the healthiest ones in my own life I could look to was my marriage with my husband. And I'm like, well, 
we talk all day long. Uh, even if we're apart from each other, we're texting, we're in touch, we want to know about each other's lives. That's interesting because the Word of God says to pray without ceasing. And so I have this invitation to all day long in intimacy with the Lord be talking to Him in my mind, in my heart, when I have questions, when something gives me pause, when I want to celebrate, when I want to worship you. Uh, there's a worship song, remember it talks about we have a friend in Jesus. <laughs> yes. I was like, wow, no, that's true. If I'm only coming to talk to you once a week uh, or even to listen to just someone else talk about you once a week, I'm probably missing quite a bit of conversation that is to be had with you, Lord. Um, I also thought about, you know, man, my, my husband is comforter when I'm in sorrow. He's a great teacher to things I don't understand. And I'm like, well, these sure do sound like characteristics of what the Holy Spirit says that he will be. He will remind us of all that Jesus taught us. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. And if we take the bait that this is a once a week going to a building and maybe celebrating a few holidays and and thinking that that is going to be the sustaining fire in our life, then we're just missing relationship. Sure, there is beauty to gather with the fellowship, to not forsake the fellowship, right? There's wisdom in the fivefold ministry and people who are in places of spiritual authority pouring into us. I'm not discounting those things, but we won't stand before the Lord behind our pastor. We won't stand before the Lord, even behind our spouse. When we stand before the Lord and when we hear either well done or depart from me, it will be us standing before the one who we were welcomed to walk in intimacy with here and now. It shouldn't be an unfamiliar place to stand before him and to say, search my heart and know me. Because right now we have this opportunity to each by the precious blood of Jesus have direct access to the throne of grace, to have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us and with us. And so I've had some of my most amazing revelation moments in the car, in the shower, washing dishes, I mean, in every place outside of the church walls are the yeah. most frequent places that I commune with the Spirit of God. Yeah. And that should be true of all of our lives because the Spirit of God is not confined to a building. He's not confined to your Wednesday evening Bible study, and He's not tallying up how many times you showed up. He is in us, with us, alongside us. <laughs> and desires that we engage with him. And that's in very formal ways at times. That's in reverent ways in my prayer closet. That's in casual ways in my goings and comings when I'm wrangling four kids and just talking to him in my heart. And the beauty is that in healthy relationship, we also step back and we listen. We don't just word vomit. We step back to learn and to listen. And so another thing that was really freeing as I moved into true relationship with the Spirit of God over religion was that prayer was not just me coming into the hidden place and word vomiting and then getting up and going and saying, oh, God hasn't given me any answers. It welcomes us to be still and to know He is God, to 
worship him, to praise, to make our petitions, and then to listen, to just be quiet, to find quiet space in his word, or even just in pause and prayer and receive from him too, because he wants to heal us and transform us. But that effectively happens when we allow the surgeon to do his job, when we allow the counselor to do his job and we open ourselves up to receive. And so I think intimacy and relationship, such a big key that so many of us are missing is 24-7 awareness that we can commune, we can connect, and we can be at peace to receive. And He will lead us in the way that we should go. Well, you know, some of the things that you have just shared really resonate with me. I'm kind of that textbook example. Uh, grew up, I was raised in New York, and so uh, raised in the, in the Catholic Church, and, you know, I did a lot of doing throughout my life, but I always felt there's something that is far beyond this, and it wasn't until somebody had asked this question, and he was, a, he was actually a deacon, a good friend, and a mentor into my life who said to me, Steve, I know what you're. I know what you're trying to to find. You see, you you you're looking for Jesus, and he he posed this question. He goes, "Do you read your Bible?" I said, "No, I don't read my Bible. I come here every Sunday, and you do it for me, and then I go <laughs> away, right?" And he's like, "You just need to read your Bible, Steve," and it mm-hmm. changed my life over the next year of committing to do that. You know, here was a a a man who knew what I was looking for. And God used that guy in my life to send me into this deep relationship, pursuing a personal relationship with Jesus. It wasn't about those doings. It was him revealing who he was that led this entire process for me for my spiritual growth. And so, you know, I'm forever grateful for that in my life because I think, well, what could my life have been? Maybe possibly just the doing, the repetition for the sake of doing. And that to, you know, would have robbed me of a deep, intimate relationship of truly knowing Christ, where when I'm, when my life is bottoming out, where he is there beside me, because that entire time, what transformed or really became the tipping point was when I, the whole time I was seeking, he was right there. When I looked back at my entire life, all the things that I had experienced in my life, all of those terrible traumatic things that I had personally gone through, and I was wondering, where is this guy? Because I don't right. feel this. I, you say it, but I don't feel it. And then you look back and you go, oh my gosh, he was there the entire time. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't see it because I wasn't receptive to that relationship. It is catalytic and it changes us. So when we find ourselves in that place, moving away from that into the deep relationship, that talks about our I- intended identity. And you address this in the book as well. And you talk about that, how the word for intimacy and the thought of intimacy and communicating with God in that way feels perverse, abused, uh, abusive, maybe he's inaccessible, or there's Mm -hmm. this unobtainable thing that has been set before us, but that's who God has intended us to be, to be there with him. And we will end up there in the multitude, worshiping with him in the presence of him in perfection, but we begin that walk here. So what about our identity? Right. That's the beauty, too is that there is a will be, but there's also a right now. 
And that's the power of what Jesus really did on our behalf to bring kingdom come here on earth as it will be in heaven. We can know these tremendous measures of peace and confidence and connection and oneness now because of the work of Christ. And the work ultimately is what reveals to us our intended identity, is what reveals to us that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We were made in His likeness to reflect who He is to the world, to to be the hands and feet, to serve and love and pour out, but not without first being poured into by Him. And I think the things that hinder us from this intimate place are the very things you mentioned. They're these ways that intimacy has been attacked in our life um, because they're also ways that our identity has been attacked. Um, So I think (laughs) the Lord started showing me in, in various manners of wrongly informing me of who he was and therefore wrongly informing me of who I was in him. And I started to see these broken ways of physicality or sexuality or intimacy in the natural and how they were wrongly informing who I was in him in the spirit. So, um, for example, I, I this kind of references what we were just talking about, but I wrote about um, what I called spiritual porn. Now, half of y'all jump and try to turn off your radio quickly, but hear me when I say (laughs) there was an understanding. I dealt with that addiction for almost a decade of my life. Um, I exposed at nine years old and was miraculously set free at 19. But in the natural, what I understood of that was it was an onlooker sport, right? When I wanted the rush, when I wanted the high, I could look on to what was a display of intimacy. And the Lord said, do you see in the spirit how you've done the same? And I'm like, what? (laughs) And he was like, you want the move of God, the high of God, the rush of God. You want me to move in accordance with your desires when you want it. And you look on to the intimacy of others with me. Oh, that person hears from God. Oh, that person is so set apart. Let me just sit and watch and think that because I felt something that I engaged with you. But just like porn leaves us barren, so spiritual nature of that does the same. He was like, you know, that's not actual intimacy with me, right? You're on looking when really I'm saying, you are my bride. I want you to know me. And and I desire to know you. And that's not going to look like looking on to someone else's to look like engaging in our own. Yeah. And so he took all these different things I could understand in the natural. I know to some it sounds crass, but it's how the Lord speaks to me. He takes things that I can get, that I can understand. And then he says, now what is this? show you about the spiritual 
took all, you know, relationship or intimacy been def- showed me, hey, see, that's why you're trying to perform for my love. Hey, see, that's why you're afraid I'm going to abandon you. Hey, see, that's why you think you have to put on a show and hope that I will stay. You know, he just took all these things and he was like, that's informing your identity in the spirit. And that's not how I interact with you. So I need you to know yourself as bride. I need you to know yourself as daughter of the most high king. I need you to know, need you to know that you have value. And when he broke down the misperceptions I had about my identity, he could build me up in the truth of who I was made to be. And that's what the spirit of God wants to do for each and every one of us. But we have to be willing for some things to be dismantled that are not of him so that we can understand the truth of who we are in him and how he loves us. You know, that is such a great illustration of being the onlooker only when it's convenient for ourselves and when we Mm -hmm. want something versus a true relationship, which is a, it's a constant, it's a 24 seven call that we may have to respond to, not in the moments when we really want to, often it's that choice. And Mm -hmm. you, you end in this place where you say, what we see, though, in both the garden as well as in the full story of our humanity, is that our present flesh is weak. And despite having the free will to choose the right-natured intimacy that God always intended, spiritually and physically, we are prone to wander. It's who we are. That is germane to who we are. And that there are some watchouts. We can be deceived, and we will choose wrongly sometimes. But we have got to have that 24-7 constant relationship and presence in order to hear the voice, to be called back, or to recognize, hey, I'm, I'm apart. I'm disconnected. I need to turn back. And mm-hmm. that is the part of living out that 24-7 relationship, always walking in an awareness with a deep intimacy with Christ, which is what we've been made for, to walk in that garden. And that's where we're headed. That is where we're returning to, is in his presence, walking unashamedly. But we do make mistakes, and we have to have that grace for ourselves. And, you know, I would love... Again, you know, I, I want to continue having these discussions with you because what that speaks to is grace for ourselves. And so often we we discount God by not even giving ourselves the grace that he wants to extend to us, and that becomes an impediment in our own walk, and that becomes mm-hmm. really messy. And so mm-hmm. the next time we're able to join up, I would love to begin there to talk about how Although we are going to make mistakes, we have to have that grace for ourselves because that's what God is giving and extending to us. But right. this is just so rich and so important for people to understand. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life. <laughs> 